0: Are Locked on Louisville, your daily podcast on the Louisville Cardinals. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, everyone? Welcome in to another episode of the Locked On the Louisville Podcast. I'm your host, Dalton Pence. It is finally Friday, the day before Louisville will square off with Eastern Kentucky. We will start off with Analyzing just how big of a threat EKU is to Louisville tomorrow night. We will then shift into the keys of the game for Louisville. And in the last segment, we will give our final thoughts and I'll give my score prediction for the game. Before we get into the content, like I mentioned, my name is Dalton Pence. I'm a credentialed media member for Cardinal Sports Zone, where I serve as a recruiting analyst and a feature writer. I also do some announcing for the cards in various sports such as baseball, soccer, lacrosse, field hockey, etc., You can follow me on Twitter at defense underscore and the podcast Twitter page is LO underscore Louisville. Also, the NFL season started last night, but it's not too late to listen to the Ultimate Season Preview 2021 for previews of every team in every division from our local experts and Odyssey's NFL experts. Search Ultimate Season Preview 2021 today on the Odyssey app or wherever you like to get your podcasts. So let's dive right on into the contents of the show today. I want to start out by analyzing just how big of a threat is EKU to Louisville tomorrow. I know a lot of fans like myself are starting to look ahead to that Central Florida game and how pivotal that is in terms of the whole season outlook. But um, it, it goes without saying that you can't overlook any opponent on your schedule, regardless if they are a Power Five team or an FCS squad. You, you just can't overlook teams. That's when you start to get into danger zones, and you know stranger things can happen. And you never know if you're going to be on SportsCenter being one of the, you know, on the wrong end of a big time upset. So, looking at Eastern Kentucky, and we mentioned some players yesterday that. Um, are going to warrant some attention on that front for Eastern Kentucky. Uh, We talked about Mo Edwards, Jr. at the wide receiving core. Parker McKinney, the quarterback, is a pretty solid one. Um, For reference, the Cards beat the Colonels in 2019 was actually – Scott Satterfield's first win as the head coach of Louisville—a forty-two to zero blowout that saw Jawan pass throw four touchdowns and a lot of other guys got in on the action as well. Last season, I, I think you know it, it's kind of hard to assess how big of a threat an FCS squad is just because there's not many. Uh, mutual opponents or opponents that you can kind of gauge in terms of where the quality is. But the team last season squared off with a couple FBS squads. The first two games of the season, they got blanked in the season opener at Marshall, 59-0. to Then they turned around and got beat 56-10 to at West Virginia. Um, overall, the season last year for the Colonels, not necessarily a great one. They only went 3-6. and six um did get a big victory against ranked Central Arkansas last season but ended up losing to that same squad 37 to 25 uh, later on in the year they won the Raising Cane's Chicken Finger Opportunity Bowl 49 to 17 over Western Carolina which is actually who they played to start out the season this year. They beat the opposition 31-28. to 28. So the question remains, how big of a threat is Eastern Kentucky to Louisville? I know you have to respect every team on your schedule, and you can't overlook them, but at the end of the day, I don't necessarily think this game is going to be close, and that really shouldn't surprise anyone. The only true way that Louisville is in any danger this game, in my opinion, is going to be if... Um, Eastern Kentucky is able to force a handful of turnovers while also getting some big-time plays on offense. But the reason why I don't necessarily think that the Colonels are going to be a huge threat to the Cardinals tomorrow night is if you look at the statistics in the first game against Western Carolina, Western Carolina actually outgained them in both passing and rushing yards. 501 total yards of offense given up to Western Carolina, um, 275 of those through the air, 226 on the ground that triumphs over EKU's 356 total yards of offense, and I think that that's kind of the telltale sign. I I know it's the season opener. Teams can get better and stuff like that, but I think that if Louisville handles business, it's not going to be close. We're going to see another effort like the game in 2019. It could fall in range with the Marshall and West Virginia games that Eastern Kentucky played in, and I just think that at this point, it would be different if it was like Western Kentucky or a team that has – you know. In years past, really play the Louisville tough. This is just—it's a a team, and you know this is meant as no disrespect to EKU. I just feel like you know both of those programs are on different uh, levels right now in terms of tiers. You know, um, Western Kentucky has shown the ability to cause problems for Louisville. They did so in 2018. It was a very sloppy game in 2020. And then, you know, in the limited times that Louisville has played Eastern Kentucky, it really just hasn't been close. I think it's going to be just like the 2019 game. I'm not sure that they're going to blank them and hold them scoreless because I do think that there are some players on this Colonel offense that are going to make some plays. It's just going to be a matter of containing that and really um, forcing them to do one thing. And we'll talk about that one thing when we talk about the keys to the game. So, you know, I, I got a lot of flack on Twitter On Twitter Thursday when I posed the question, is UCF a must-win game for the Cardinals? And, you know, half of the responses said yes. A decent amount of them said, you know, no, or every game is a winnable game. But there were a handful of responses, and I get where they're coming from, of saying, well, we can't look past Eastern Kentucky. We can't look past Eastern Kentucky. I get that. In you know if we're you know playing the technicality issue and we're looking things from an overall scheme, yes, you can't overlook Eastern Kentucky, and nor am I implying that it's going to, you know, absolutely 100 without a doubt be a pushover game that Louisville has a running clock going in the second half. I'm not saying that, I'm not trying to disrespect EKU either, but what I am saying is that when you look at the statistics of how they played against Western Carolina, when you Put up side by side the rosters that played against the cards in 2019 and 2021. When you factor in how they fared last season with a three and six record, I understand it was COVID, things went wrong. But um you know, at the end of the day, if you look back to the season prior for the Easter Kentucky Colonels and what they did after they played University of Louisville. I mean, they did go 7-5. and five. I get that. It was a pretty successful season, but it, it's hard to really gauge just how successful that is in translation to FBS considering that EKU is in the FCS level. So there are some apples to oranges comparisons there. I guess what I'm trying to get at is that if Louisville handles business and doesn't put an absolutely disastrous performance out on the field tomorrow night, I don't think this game is going to be close, and that's no disrespect to EKU. I just think that there is a, a considerable gap in the you know difference in talent and athleticism and size for the Cardinals. You know, in pertains to relation with the Colonel. So, um, I, I think that this could be a solid season for EKU moving forward in, in their respective schedule. But when it comes to Louisville, I think it's going to be a game like the two games against FBS opponents last season. It's going to be a blowout, and it's probably going to be a blowout up pretty quickly. So, before we talk about what Louisville needs to do to make sure that they put this game away and focus on the three keys, um, I want to talk to you all a little bit about Built Bar. Um, Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar out there with so many delicious flavors. There's a flavor for everyone coconut, cherry, barcia, raspberry, mint brownie, double chocolate, salted caramel, strawberry, orange, cookies and cream, German chocolate. The variety is outstanding. If you haven't tried all the flavors or don't know where to start, you can get a mixed box where you'll get two of each of the nine flavors. And not only are Bilt Bar flavors the best tasting, but they're healthy as well. Uh, 17 to 18 grams of protein, only about 130 to 180 calories, 4 to 5 grams of sugar, 4 to 5 grams of net carbs. Amazing flavors, all tasty, all healthy. Order today and get that grasshopper cookie or raspberry or whatever you like built bar is the official protein bar of the united states track and field team so be sure to go to built.com and get whatever protein bar that suits your needs once again that is built.com for the best tasting protein bars on the market so i want to transition into focusing on the three keys to the game for the cardinals Uh, I think number one, and this is, you know, first and foremost, when it comes to the offense and the offensive flow, there were some, you know, going back and forth about the offensive line on social media. And I think if you watched the game, you saw that Ole Miss really kind of uh, rushed three in a lot of packages and they were still getting after the quarterback. I thought the offensive line was lackluster. And that was kind of the uh, position that disappointed me the most considering of all the praise that we'd heard from them in the offseason from the coaching staff and from their other peers in the locker room. So I think that the number one key to this game is protecting Malik Cunningham, giving him time in the pocket, or you know whichever quarterback is there, um, to be able to you know make the throws that he can make. He's one of the most accurate quarterbacks in the nation when he gets time to throw the ball in the pocket. Allowing him to make his reads is not only going to be beneficial on the field in terms of success but I think it's also going to be able to help him you know build a foundation of confidence that he's able to you know rely upon throughout the year that he can continue to add layers onto and try to you know become a more polished quarterback like he was in 2019 and even go beyond that point so the number one focus you know for the Cardinals offensively in my opinion has to be to protect the quarterback and then you know outside of that you know being able to open up holes for the running back committee when you look at that game against Western Carolina, and this is one where I thought was you know pretty interesting is that it was very split down the middle in terms of the yardage that the Eastern Kentucky defense gave up. Uh, like I mentioned, 501 yards of total offense, they gave up 226 yards on the ground, 5.9 yards per rush two rushing touchdowns um, only seven you know yards of a loss in any type of you know tackling situation so it's going to be very key for the cards to be able to establish the run as well and after not being able to do so against Ole Miss you know trying to establish it before you go into a very tough two-game stretch with Central Florida and Florida State I think it's critical for the offensive line play to be better all around the second key to the game, I think, is going to be forcing Eastern Kentucky to run the football. When you look at the guys that they have on offense, we talked about Mo Edwards Jr. and all that he's able to do. Um, when we break down the stats from the Eastern Kentucky offense, 356 yards of total offense. 233 of those came through the air. Um, you know, 11.7 yards per reception. So the passing offense is definitely where Eastern Kentucky gets their bread and butter. Parker McKinney, 20 for 28, 233 yards, a touchdown and a pick respectively. Um, and then the receiving core, Mo Edwards Jr., 5 for 81 and a touchdown. Jaden Smith, 5 for 56. Matt Wilcox Jr., 5 for 51. Uh, and, and going down the line, you know, there were – a handful of different receivers that got in on the action. And these are guys that have, you know, reception longs of 31, 15, 19, 23. So Eastern Kentucky definitely likes to air the ball out. They like to go deep. Um, a lot of their big plays come in the air. Um, so it's going to be something that has to be focused on if you're that Louisville secondary and trying to, you know, shut down the big time play. But it's it's also key, you know, for that secondary to, you know, show that the passing Offense is not working to force them to run the ball. Um, This is where you know dropping you know seven or eight might be uh, in in sort of the game plan like it was for Ole Miss. When you look at the rushing uh, attack for the Colonels last week, only 123 yards, 3.3 average yards per rush. I know they did have three rushing touchdowns, but those were kind of um in short range. So I definitely I get it. You know, this is. Um, I think that Louisville is not necessarily going to struggle with any aspect of the pa- of the passing game or the offense in general. But at the end of the day if you're going to make life tough for that eastern kentucky offense it's going to be because you have limited what they can do in the passing scheme and you force them to put the ball on the ground and you know force them into third and long situations and getting that offense off the field you know early in series and stuff like that so i think that this is going to be a a solid uh, game an opportunity for them to get their mojo back and their swagger and to be able to build their confidence. But, you know, make no mistake about it, this is also an offense that can make you pay if you don't take them seriously. So, you know, like I mentioned, if you handle your business, this shouldn't be a game you have to worry about. But you also have to address the devil's advocate to where if if you slack off and you completely, you know, go in cruise control, then, you know, this passing offense can definitely make you pay. So looking at the third key to the game, and I think that this is one where, um, you know, like I mentioned with the offensive line, you're opening up the holes for the running game. I think, you know, establishing the running game is to be one of the uh, main keys as well for the cards. If you look at that old Miss game, uh, Malik Cunningham led the team in rushing yards. I thought Jalen Mitchell ran the ball really well in the second half. Um, Hassan Hall got hit especially hard all game long. I felt bad for him because it looked like you know they were just taking frustration out of him all game long. Travion Cooley had some spots where he looked solid, but overall the Cards really weren't able to get anything going on the ground, and that's partially due to the offensive line not being able to you know help the. Uh, running back committee. I thought that the lack of you know versatility in the play calling and making the calls vanilla and predictable was also working against the Cards to their disadvantage, and just allowing Ole Miss to kind of camp and load the box whenever. Um, you know, they thought that the run play was coming and you know that that was the issue in two thousand twenty and it looked like the issue um, in the first half of two thousand and twenty-one season opener. So overall I think you know whether it's getting just Jalen Mitchell into the sense of where he has a good game, but more importantly, getting guys like Hassan Hall, Travion Cooley, um you know, going down the line, Maurice Berkeley, even George Jordan and Aiden Robbins, allowing them to be able to get some confidence, and I think that all across the board, this is a game to enhance confidence and to, you know, basically place the foundation to build some, you know, swagger and good form a- across the, you know, the whole roster and the depth charts. So. With the running back committee, I think that this is especially important. Just not necessarily just against you know, Eastern Kentucky. When when you look forward, um, you know UCF is a team that is still trying to find their identity on defense. And Florida State is a team as well that has increased the secondary, but the defensive line is still a question. So there's going to be opportunities in the next couple weeks to really punish both UCF and Florida State with a solid running game. And I think that this Easter Kentucky matchup grants the Louisville Cardinals a great opportunity to build. Like I keep coming back to this notion of building the foundation because you know obviously it wasn't in place for the Ole Miss game, so being able to step back and focus on the fundamentals I know it's a short week and but the team I feel like is, from what I've heard is is pretty anxious to get back out there you know obviously if, if we've learned anything it's that you uh, have to take things for what they are and um, make actions you know speak louder than words so it will be interesting to see how the Cardinals come out ready to go early on against Eastern Kentucky I will be at Cardinal Stadium tomorrow night covering that game for Cardinals sports zone. Um, So we will talk some takeaways from that game um, on Monday and throughout the week before we preview Central Florida. However, that's not until next week. We are going to give final thoughts and predictions here in the final segment of the week. But before that, we'll talk a little bit about Stat Hero and all the great things that come there. Uh, Do you know that 85% of people who play daily fantasy sports lose is, but that isn't really that surprising. The game is literally rigged against you, and you're playing against thousands of other lineups, not to mention experts who have more tools and simply more time. Uh, that's why Stat Hero is the avenue to go. It's the first ever daily fantasy sports book that puts the player in control and winning within reach. So here's how it works. Stat Hero shows you their lineups and dares you to beat them. So it's you versus the house in a head-to-head fantasy matchup. You name your stakes, winner take all. You have the advantage. Stat Hero is showing you their lineups ahead of time. No one else does that. You're in total control. Stat Hero is DFS the way it was meant to be one on one. So play Stat Hero and change the odds. So go to stathero.com slash locked on, sign up for free, and right now you can get three times back on your first play. They're giving you a 300% match that's unheard of. So go to stathero.com slash locked on. Once again, that's Stat Hero.com. Dot com slash locked on so the final segment of the week i want to focus on the final thoughts on the matchup with easter kentucky and then we'll give a score prediction ultimately i think this is going to be a game where the cardinals come out uh, i'm not going to say you know on fire or but i don't think that they're going to come out lackluster i think that it's going to you know take a quarter for the Louisville offense to truly you know put the Colonels away i do think that Malik Cunningham is going to be able to become more comfortable in the pocket. The offensive line is going to be able to to protect better. I ultimately think that the running game is going to be what sets the tone. I look for Jalen Mitchell, Hassan Hall, Travion Cooley, uh, one of, two of, if not all three, to have pretty significant roles on Saturday uh, in the overall grand scheme on offense defensively speaking, I think that the cards are going to be tested. The Easter Kentucky is going to try to throw the ball all over the field um, to you know, the great wide receivers that they have, respectively. Uh, so they'll, I don't necessarily think that the rushing defense is going to come into play unless the secondary forces Easter Kentucky to throw the ball. I could definitely see Brian Brown and company dropping guys into coverage and only rushing so many, just basically daring them to run the ball um, but ultimately, I think that it's going to be tough for Eastern Kentucky to score more than 14 points in this game. At the end of the day, I had the cards winning 45 to 14. I do think that Eastern Kentucky gets a big player too with uh, Mo Edwards. And, um, you know, there's always the issues with that Louisville is having in terms of having third and longs, turning the ball over. They turned the ball over two times last Monday evening against Ole Miss. So I could definitely see Eastern Kentucky forcing a turnover and having a good field position and capitalizing off of that, kind of like Western Kentucky did in the 2020 season opener. And then also, I think that um, you know, if, if there's some opportunities to where Louisville struggles and goes into three and out in their own territory, uh, you could have you know Eastern Kentucky have good field position. But I don't think that there's too much analysis, you know, left to talk about. I think that this is going to be a game where I think that Louisville gets on the turnover board and they are able to force some turnovers. Malik Cunningham is going to be more. Accurate, he's going to make better reads. So I think, you know, the wide receiving core is one to look at here that's going to reap the benefits of this matchup just because, you know, with a more comfortable Malik Cunningham making reads, you know, Josh Johnson in the slot, you have Jordan Watkins out wide. Justin Marshall didn't necessarily have a big role in the game against Ole Miss. This could be a game where he kind of leaves his mark on this game, just all across the board. There is no Shy words Um, if you've been following along. Either my Twitter or any other Louisville Media's Twitter, uh, Scott Satterfield in his press conference on Wednesday confirmed that really it, it, that Louisville was kind of lucky in escaping you know, Atlanta with very minimal injuries. However, the one significant injury uh, to grad transfer wide receiver Shai Wertz, uh, it is a leg injury. He is going to be out about um, a couple weeks is what Satterfield was quoted on. So uh, there will be no Shy Wertz Obviously, so look for some of the younger guys to step up. I think Amari Huggins-Bruce, who had a pair of catches in that opening game, could see a bigger role. And then, you know, you have a guy like Marshawn Ford as well, who if he was a mismatch, and I think he showed that against Ole Miss when his number was called, just didn't get a lot of targets, um, but did make the most out of it, was the leading receiver for the cards. Um, I could definitely see him having a big game in this one. It'll be interesting to see what the playbook is going to look like. I think that Satterfield is going to—I I could see this being a very run-dominant performance from the offense. But I'm looking for Satterfield to try to open up the playbook to take away the predictability and allowing Malik Cunningham to, um, you know, go through the, you know, the bumps and bruises and, you know, come out on the other side a more polished passer and a guy who's, you know, trusting his reads. You know, at at the end of the day, you're trying to replace two. You know, all-time greats at wide receiver in Tutu Atwell and Des Fitzpatrick. So there's a lot more responsibility on Malik Cunningham to put the ball in a place where only his wide receivers can get it. But the good news is that there were a lot of instances on Monday evening in which the wide receiving core was creating separation. And I think, you know, with, with not being hesitant, with trusting your reads, with the offensive line protecting Malik Cunningham, I think that this is going to open up the passing game more, and in turn, it's going to be able to allow the running game to not have to go through a stacked, you know, line of scrimmage or your box from the defense. So, um, at the end of the day, I think, like I mentioned, 45 to 14, I think, is a very reasonable score. The Cards will score the majority of their points between the second and third quarter, in my opinion, uh, in which they'll probably put in some of the you know redshirt guys. It might take a little while for the offense to get clicking, but once they do, I think it's going to be smooth sailing. And I look for the defense to see, you know, how – the pass rush is going to be able to get after um, the Eastern Kentucky quarterback, and how the secondary is able to, you know, bounce back from a performance which there was a lot to be desired. You know, Kendrick Duncan in his press conference on Wednesday said, you know, they've already moved past the Ole Miss game. They've taken what they've needed to in terms of mistakes and have worked to correct them. You know, they watch film. They're eager to get back on the field. Um, but at the end of the day, it's all about you know the results that stem from it. I think we're at the point where you can't trust you know talk too much. You can only trust action. So it'll be very interesting to see how you know intense this defense comes out in terms of attention to detail and you know making tackles. So we talked about why Eastern Kentucky is not that big of a threat to Louisville. We transitioned into identifying and explaining three keys for the Louisville squad tomorrow night against Eastern Kentucky, and then we gave our final thoughts and the score prediction of 45-14. to Next week is going to be more of the same format. Uh, It'll kind of be the same format um, for most weeks. We'll do some recap early in the week, some fun stuff in the middle of the week, and then the, the latter half will be dedicated to previewing the next opponent. So We'll discuss the Eastern Kentucky result on Monday. We have some big-time interviews and some guests that will be joining the show in the next week to two weeks. I'm excited for you to hear those. Uh, you can find all of your Eastern Kentucky previews over the past couple episodes. Um, you can follow the Locked On Louisville Twitter page at LO underscore Louisville. My personal Twitter is Dpence underscore. Be sure to like, rate, and subscribe to the podcast. I appreciate everyone that has been watching. Um, you know, listening and tuning in the uh, season opener, initial takeaways and reactions got the most single day listens out of any episode so far. Um, definitely appreciative of that. Want to give a shout out to the Cardinal Sports Zone podcast for all the work that they're doing there. We'll actually be recording that tonight and you know previewing Easter Kentucky you know in a different way with a bunch of unique personalities that I will be a co-host of along with Jeremy and Joe Wallman. Uh, Sam and Sean Barber, Wes Brown, etc. Be sure to check that out. Um, Also, the Locked on Bets podcast, um, if you're into betting. Betting does not have to be a guessing game if you listen to the new Locked on Bets podcast, hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. Get daily picks, blowout specials, wrong team favorite picks, and Lee Sterling's lock of the day. So be sure to follow the Lockdown Bets podcast, brought to you by BetOnline.ag, or wherever you like to get your podcast. If you're interested in sponsoring the show, be sure to contact me through DM. If you are interested in potentially, you know, coming onto the show, we have some you know opportunities coming up to where we'll we'll bring on a guest to talk some Louisville sports. Uh, there's going to be a giveaway. Uh, here in the next month or so. Be sure to stay tuned into those details, Um, but I will make the announcement on social media as well. Be sure to connect with us there and on the uh, avenues in which you utilize your streaming services. But that's going to wrap up this Friday edition of the show. Everyone have a great weekend. We'll see you back here on Monday, but most importantly, go Cards.